Hello, I'm Tony Denbach, and I'm the lead pastor of Clearview Community Church. Uh, CCC is one church in four locations. We have campuses in Stainer, Cremor, Collingwood, and Wasaga Beach, and we'd love to have you join us in person at any one of them. If you get a chance, love to see you. Thank you so much for listening today. Now, what I'm going to uh, speak about may be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you. And I say that because at one time, it would have been uncomfortable for me. See, we're continuing in on in our series on the Gospel of Luke called Investigating Jesus. And we've been talking in this series about who Jesus was and why it matters, and also about discipleship and how Christ calls us, not just to save us, but also in order that we can become the people that we were meant to be, joining him in changing the world. Now, I would like to talk about what happens when we decide that we know better than God how he should do things. See, the Bible is very clear that God is God and we are not. We often get confused about that. A lot of us still like to think that we're smarter than him and we can figure out a better way. Now, these two views have been reflected all through human history. Max Lucado says it this way, all the world religions can be placed in one of two camps, legalism or grace. It's like this, either we do it or God does it. Salvation as a reward for deeds done and rules obeyed or salvation as a gift based on Christ's sacrificial death. Now, legalists believe that the ultimate responsibility for your salvation is you. If you look right, speak right, and belong to the right group of people, you will be saved. The answer for every problem is to try harder, study more, work at it. It's all about your effort. You can do it. Legalists are people who can never admit that they made a mistake because it would mean that they're not perfect. And the illusion of perfection is central. Image and perception are everything. And it usually looks pretty good from the outside. But what's on the inside? No joy, no peace. Instead, we see arrogance and fear, a constant looking over the shoulder because you just can't measure up and you know deep down inside you'll never be good enough. You make everyone else's life miserable because you pick apart their mistakes to make yourself look better. As Lucado says, legalism doesn't need God. Legalism is the search for innocence, not forgiveness. It's a systematic process of defending self, explaining self, exalting self, and justifying self. Legalists are obsessed with self, not God. So let's look at a section of scripture that illustrates the difference between grace and legalism. It's found in Luke 6, beginning in verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, 
he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, in these verses, Jesus reveals some of the values of the kingdom of God that he came to establish. The Pharisees referenced here were a Jewish sect that was committed to a strict adherence to the religious law of the Jews. Not only were they committed to the Ten Commandments and the other laws that governed temple worship, they also wrote hundreds of other laws that provided a strict code of living to keep them pure and everyone else beneath them. But what did Jesus teach? God wants our hearts, not begrudging obedience. See, when Jesus stood, the man with the crippled hand in front of them, he was showing them that the people's tendency to focus on the rules and neglect the person was clearly wrong. All of their lives, they had heard about Messiah coming to fulfill the law's requirements. Now here he was in their presence, and all that they could think about was that Jesus allowed his disciples to pop some grain into their mouth on the Sabbath day, that he would dare to heal on the Sabbath day. How dare he? There were rules to be obeyed. It didn't matter who you were with or what you were doing. If you cross that line, you're guilty. But the Sabbath day was intended both as a day of rest and as a day to reconnect with God. Now here were the disciples following Jesus, spending time with him, God in the flesh, and the Pharisees accused them of violating the Sabbath and accused Jesus of allowing it. See, they couldn't understand the irony of their situation. Here they were criticizing the one who gave the law in the first place and trying to help him understand that they were right and he was wrong. You see, legalists think they know the rules better than anyone else does. Now, listen to what Jesus told them in Matthew 23. He used some of the strongest language that he ever used in that section. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain at a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Leonard Sweet wrote something that is sad but true. He said, some of the meanest people I know can quote astounding amounts of scripture while they walk up and down your back. How can this be? They know the rules. They know the law. They know the facts. But they don't know the master of relationships. Now, this leads to the second value of the kingdom that we see in Luke 6. People matter to God. See, when you can ignore the needs of people because of your faith, it's religion talking, not God. See, Jesus walked into the synagogue with this gaggle of Pharisees traipsing along behind, doing everything they could to find a way to trip him up. There's a man in the room with an obvious need. His hand is shriveled up, useless. Now, to us, that would be a big deal. It would affect our ability to do some jobs. It would limit us in other ways. But for this man, it would have been devastating. In an agrarian society, there weren't many desk jobs that he could do so that he wouldn't require the use of his hand. Now, there might be some tasks he could accomplish with one hand, but not a lot at which he could make a living. He may have even had to resort to begging, to relying on handouts and charity in order to survive. He would have been unable to provide for his family if he had one, which would have produced incredible shame in that culture. It was also believed by many at the time that those who were sick or maimed had done something to deserve it. And so they were often ostracized by many, even in their own community. None of that mattered to these Pharisees. See, there were no expressions of concern or offers of help. There was only a challenge to Jesus concealed in a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? In the long list of rules that they and their forefathers had made up, the answer was no. It would have to wait until tomorrow. And again, the irony was obvious. They had no power to heal at all on the Sabbath or on any other day for that matter. But Jesus cuts right through their hypocrisy. In Matthew's account of this meeting, in Matthew 12, Jesus says, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Notice it's not a question mark. It's an exclamation point that Jesus puts here. Jesus was very clearly making an accusation. He was pointing out the fact that they cared more about their animals and their possessions than they did about someone in need. Then he turned around and he healed the man. See, in this chapter, we see lived out exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. See, in, in those verses, when he was asked what was the greatest commandment in the law, again by someone trying to mess him up, he answered this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets 
hang on these two commandments. Following Jesus is firstly about having our our hearts right with God, and secondly, about maintaining good relationships with people. See, it doesn't matter what you profess, what dogma you espouse, or what church you may have voting privileges in. Do you love God? And is that reflected in how you live your life and how you treat others? Do you walk daily in a growing relationship with God? Do you have a sweet spirit that causes others to want to be around you? Do you forgive easily? Do you have compassion on those in need? Do you love your neighbor as yourself and treat them the way that you want to be treated? Do you put the needs of others ahead of your own? Do you look for mercy or justice when someone has done you wrong? Do you love? Great questions. See, the third value that I see here in these verses is the importance of recognizing that Jesus is Lord. In fact, in verse 5, Jesus said, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, this title is one that Jesus commonly used for himself. Luke includes this here for us. And we shouldn't just look at it in isolation. Over the previous chapters, we have seen how Jesus was revealing himself to his disciples and to the people and helping them to understand who he was. Earlier, Peter started by calling him teacher, but later grasped that he was more than that and called him Lord. Later, Jesus forgave a man his sins, something only God could do, and then healed him, demonstrating that he was who he claimed to be. And then in the last part of Luke 5, Jesus shows us that he has come to fulfill the law. The old covenant or agreement given to Moses could not contain the new thing that Jesus was bringing. Grace couldn't be bound up by the rules. And now Jesus declares that not only will he heal on the Sabbath, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He established it for our good, and he is the ultimate fulfillment of it. He is our rest. All of us can find our rest, not just in a day of the week, but in a person, the person of Jesus. He invites us to find our rest and our hope in him. Now, I used to be all about the rules. I could quote them all, and I was quick to judge anyone who stepped over the line. The problem is that I myself wasn't perfect. I was simply a sinner in need of grace, just like anyone else. I can't throw stones at you or anyone else because I am not without sin. What I can do is walk alongside of you and encourage you, and together we can keep our eyes on Jesus as he shows us how to love and how to live. Now, sometimes I need you to challenge me, just as I may sometimes need to challenge you. But it should always be in love, and it's always to move us closer to the goal, to be like Him. That's the camp that I want to be in, the grace camp. Now, what about those in the legalist camp? Where does that end up? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. See, when the heart is not right, We become protectors of turf instead of followers of Jesus. We don't forgive because we don't trust God to do what's right. We give only what is required and grudgingly at that because deep down, we don't think that God can take care of us. When we focus on the rules above all else, people don't matter and people get hurt. 
I want you to notice the final verse of our scriptures today in Luke chapter 6. In the previous verse, Jesus told the man to stretch out his hand, and when he did, if you remember, he was healed. It was a miracle. It was a glorious day. This poor man's life would never be the same. He could find work. He could feed his family. He could hold his children. God is good. And all of those with the love of God in their hearts would have been unable to restrain their praise. But what about these Pharisees? It says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. From this time on, they sought for ways to destroy Jesus, eventually turning him over to the Romans on false charges so that he could be crucified. See, when you focus on the letter of the law, love dies. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't allow any seed of bitterness to ever get into you because it ends in death. Love God and love people. Now, how are you doing with that? If you find yourself becoming more and more frustrated and angry with people, let me encourage you to spend some more time with the one who cares and the one who demonstrated how to love. Rather than lashing out, pray for one another. Would you pray with me now? Dear God, we live in a world that wears on us. It's not always easy to love, especially when people don't treat us fairly. And yet you taught us to love our neighbors and even to do good to those who despitefully use us. Would you help us to spend more time with you so that our hearts may be changed and so that we in turn can help to change our world for the better. Help us to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So go from this place with the confidence that, come, that God has come to us. He has sought us, he has found us, and he has redeemed us. Be inspired by his grace, humbled by his love, and empowered by his spirit. Let him live in you and through you. May you be his hands and his feet in a world in need. God bless you. Thanks for listening.